0: What's up guys, welcome back to another episode of Behind the Facade and what on earth is going on with the crypto market. The world of crypto has basically experienced its Lehman moment and we're going to talk about that FTX, I mean WTF, what's going on there. Also, I would like to get into Twitter and talk about what's going on there, but I don't think I'm going to get a chance in this particular episode. There is so much going on in the tech and crypto space. That's really, it's just hard to kind of keep up with it. The speed and the pace at which it's all changing. So I actually remember really, really well 2008 and uh, the Lehman Brothers collapse. I'll I'll never forget it because it had such uh, ramifications for the market. But I can remember seeing... Uh, Lehman Brothers was this huge bank based in London and New York and all over the world but it, they had a huge big office in uh, Canary Wharf in London and I can remember these scenes on Sky News playing out and you had all these staff members walking out on the street holding boxes with their personal belongings and that's it they had just lost their jobs these were masters of the universe you know kind of traders that would earn a million a year and all this and literally that's it you've lost your job you're out on the street What happened next, I don't need to really tell you guys. I mean, the global financial crisis enveloped the world thereafter. And what it was that caused all of that was it's the cascade or the domino effect. And that is that everybody is kind of like standing on the edge and, you know, they're all doing really, really well as long as everybody stands on the edge. But the moment somebody falls over the edge or gets caught or like you know pushes the envelope too far, then that's it. They have they drag everybody else down with them. And that's what happened with Lehman Brothers. As soon as it collapsed, it went bankrupt with billions in debt. And the people, the counterparties that had lent them money Obviously, then went under themselves, and the people who had lent money to those guys started to go under as well. And it was just this kind of cascading—you know, just keeps on getting worse and worse. And as soon as one is gone, it drags down the next. And what that had—that the impact that that had—was it froze the uh, financial markets completely. And you couldn't get loans, you couldn't get mortgages, you couldn't get anything. And so what actually started to happen then is the broader economy, whilst those were all the banks and the financial houses and stuff going, getting under trouble, you would kind of think, well, I run a, you know, a normal business on the main street, I shouldn't be impacted, should I? But the reality is, is the banks were impacted and so they withdrew uh, any kind of overdraft, they withdrew credit cards, they withdrew credit terms, everything like that was pulled. And I knew I know people that had good profitable businesses that basically went into a cash flow crisis because they couldn't get access to their uh, to their overdraft, their banking overdraft that they would typically use. You know, every month they'd go into the red, and then by the end of the month they get paid, and they'd be out of the red. Those were frozen. Suddenly they have a cash crisis. So this is a property. You know, this is a property podcast. You come here for my input on property, investment, things like that. I'm not a crypto guy, but I have to say, we have to talk about that today because there's various lessons to be learned from this. But also, I do think we're going to feel the impact of this. Maybe not in a big way, but we are definitely going to feel the impact of this. And I don't think the market is done yet. The market is only just beginning to to kind of deal with the fact that this company FTX has gone under. And um, I think we're gonna see an awful lot more on this whole topic over the next couple of weeks and months. And so without further ado, let's get into today's episode. You're listening to Behind the Facade and I'm your host, Gavin J. Gallagher. On this podcast, I explore the mental and emotional game often playing out subconsciously, both in your mind and the mind of everyone else in the real estate or property investment market. The key to success in this game is to master your mindset and your behavior, to take control of your thoughts, your emotions, and most importantly, your ego. Welcome to the show. All right, guys. Before I get started, one quick little update, and that is, I'm going to just say the word Movember, All right, we're into November, and those of you watching the YouTube will have the benefit of this little close up on my mustache that I am growing for charity. Now it's a charity fundraiser. The link is below in the show notes in the in the video description. Um, But as you probably know, you've probably seen Movember before. Movember is the month of November. You grow a moustache. It's all for charity. And in particular, men's health uh, is the charity. And um, in particular, I'm focused on mental health, men's mental health, and in particular, suicide prevention. Now, a couple of friends and relatives have taken their own lives over the years, stress-related incidents and things like that. And it is very dev- it's devastating to a family. I've seen it very close at hand and I've seen the impact that it's had, and it's not pretty, and it's something that we really just we just have to try and do better. And one of the big reasons that I talk about this is because I mean I've seen it myself. When you go through financial difficulties, you feel like the whole world is opening up and it's gonna swallow you whole. But the worst thing about it is that guys, men in particular, as opposed to women, men are supposed to have this kind of tough exterior and they can deal with stuff. And it's like weakness to admit that you're suffering from mental health. And so a lot of guys will bottle it up, say nothing, and it becomes too much for them. And so there's a bit of a stigma around admitting that you need help. And I'm just here to tell you like, guys, if, you, if you're if you feeling it, go and seek help. There's no stigma at all, uh, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, you look back and you kind of say, you know what, what, make, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. But you really do need to um, ask for help if you are suffering in any shape or form. Now, this mustache, have to admit, absolutely hate it. My wife hates it. Every time I go to eat, I can feel it like bristling on my food and stuff like that. So you have the next couple of weeks to see me wearing it. And on the 30th of November, that evening, it's gone. You won't see it anymore. So. Go and have a look at the video uh, if you wanna go and see the close up (laughs) because I look ridiculous. Somebody said I'm looking like Tom Selleck from Magnum PI. I'm not so sure. Right, let's get into the main topic here and that is the crypto meltdown. And like really, where do I begin? It's, It's hard to actually cover it because so much has happened this year and so much has happened in the last week alone. If you remember way back at the beginning of the year, the crypto, was uh, or if we go back twelve months, crypto in particular Bitcoin was valued at sixty six thousand u s dollars and then it started to go through a bit of a decline and various things started to happen, and it ended up very quickly losing about seventy percent of its value and being valued down around eighteen 000 to twenty thousand. Now that's where it's been sitting for months. And what happened then, that started to put it under more and more pressure. I mean, it fell from 60 down to 40, then down to 30. Various events started to take place that really knocked the confidence of the market. And the first one that I'm kind of thinking of was back in May when a crypto uh, coin called Terra Luna went back, basically collapsed. And Terra Luna was supposed to be this stable coin where the value of it would stay the same. But something happened, I'm not going to go into all the detail, but basically it lost pretty much 99.9% of its value overnight. And a huge number of people had a lot of money tied up in it, lost everything. Now people with literally hundreds of thousands in value lost. Now, not long after that, this is one of the problems with this kind of market, is that they're all interconnected and interlinked, and guys that have got... Um, You know, investments in one, if that goes down, it it can trigger margin calls that makes you have to force you to sell other things to kind of free up capital to pay off your loans and stuff. And so it has this domino effect. And not long after Terra Luna was gone, Celsius announced that they were freezing all um, deposits or all withdrawals of cash from their fund. Then not long after that, Three uh, Arrows Capital, which is a crypto crypto venture fund, they went under. And then who comes in to save the day? Only Samuel Bankman Freed. And he swooped in with a $240 million loan to save BlockFi from going under. And he gave an additional $200 million loan to Voyager. And the reason that he had to do this was because these companies were going through a liquidity crisis. And um, I'm going to go into a little bit more detail as to liquidity and insolvency and all this in a little bit, but let's just keep going on this for a moment. So Samuel Bankman fried considered by the whole crypto industry to be uh, a savior and effectively being compared with JP Morgan, who is the banker from back in the 1930s, who saved the day back around the, the, the time of the big US depression. And everyone is calling him a, a genius. Samuel Banker Freed, SBF, are the initials that he goes by, and everyone's calling him this like genius. And he he went and he you know this uh, Warren Buffett giving pledge. Warren Buffett and Bill Gates have kind of said that they are going to give hundred percent of their fortune away. It's going to be given to philanthropy and charity and all that. And he has gone and signed the giving pledge, this guy, SBF. And he drives a Toyota. Like he, he's worth billions, but he doesn't care. He drives a Toyota. He's a nerd. He's a geek. He wears runners. He he goes to he has this like big mop of hair. And he, he really doesn't care about money. So what does that mean for everybody? Well, it means he mustn't be motivated by greed, and therefore you can trust him. Isn't that right? Who is Samuel? Bankman Freed. Well, SBF graduated from MIT, which is the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. He graduated in 2014 with a physics degree, and he started working at a, an investment firm called Jane Street. Now, he was what's known as a quant trader, and that is where it's, if anyone has seen that movie, The, uh, the Big Short, uh, not The Big Short, The Margin Call, Uh, With Kevin Spacey and a couple of other guys. There's a scene in it where the guy's explaining what he does and he's like a rocket engineer or something like that. And these guys, they are mathematical geniuses. They know how to count, calculate, and all this kind of stuff in their head. Very, very smart people. And he's one of those people. If he's a quant trader, then he's very, very good at that kind of stuff. Anyway, it didn't take him long to figure out that you can make a lot of money doing this. So he left. Jane Street to set up a company called Alameda Research. That's his trading firm. And what he did was, and he's famous for this, is he noticed a a gap in the market in the Bitcoin market. And what he found was that if you're buying Bitcoin in the US uh, exchanges, you could buy it at say $10 or let's say $10,000. But what he found was that he could go to a Japanese Bitcoin fund And he could sell the exact same Bitcoin in Japan for 11000 So he'd make a 10% uh, profit instantly and with zero risk. He was basically buying on one exchange, selling on the other in the same moment and making 10%. So in the matter of months, he made $20 million doing this. So clearly knew what he was doing, smart guy. And this kind of light bulb went off in his head and he said, whoa, this crypto stuff is insane. I can make a lot of money at this. So 2019, he establishes FTX. Now that is a an exchange, a crypto exchange. And having come from Jane Street and seeing how this kind of the, the mainstream banking system works, you have these finance houses and these exchanges. And what they do is they provide all of these products that investors can come along and buy and uh, i've talked before in this podcast about my experience with cfds that's contracts for difference difference and if i put 1000 dollars or 1000 euro or 1000 pounds into an account i can leverage that at 10x and i can go and buy 10000 worth of shares and if i double my money with on the 10x i've effectively i've made you know you you go from 10000 to 20000 you've made 10000 dollars profit but you only put a 1,000 in, so you've made a 10x return. So it's a really, really great way to magnify your returns. So he created a lot of these products around the crypto space, and he allowed margin like that. So 3x margin, 10x margin, he allowed you to short them. You know, So you could basically go and say, right, I wanna buy uh, Bitcoin, but instead of buying Bitcoin at $16,000 for one, you would put in, you know, two or three thousand dollars and you would be able to buy twenty thousand dollars worth of bitcoin and so you could go out there and magnify returns much much more and you could also sell on if you thought that bitcoin or ethereum or any of those kind of crypto funds if you thought that they were going to fall in value you could bet against them falling so you could actually take a short position so he did all of this was a very smart idea. A lot of people wanted to go and play these kind of games with crypto because crypto is so much more volatile. So the returns are outsized. So were the losses. But a lot of people they want to, they want the, the the gains. They don't really care about the losses too much. He became this this FTX platform became massive, very very quickly with all of this stuff uh, on offer, and early investors started to kind of pile in, and some of them were these big finance sort of companies like hedge funds and stuff, and. In particular, what was interesting I found was that a crypto exchange, the largest crypto exchange called Binance, they also invested in FTX. And Binance is run by a guy that goes by this nickname, CZ. He's a, I think he's a Chinese guy, and um, so his initials are CZ. Now, you should remember that name because it's going to come up in a little bit. Fast forward to today, or to 2022, we'll say. An SBF, Samuel is being treated like some sort of a messiah, all right, with having signed the giving pledge. He is now worth $16 billion at the age of 30. So he is up there with Mark Zuckerberg in terms of wealth. And uh, literally, you've got celebrities endorsing him. You've got magazines like Forbes saying that, you know, he's the smartest man in the room and all this kind of stuff. You have uh, celebrities and sports stars Doing advertisements for FTX saying, You gotta do it, you gotta, you know, you gotta sign up, it's amazing, all this kind of stuff. And FTX can afford to pay millions to these guys. That should be a red flag straight away to those of you who are listening. Now, in addition to that, all the YouTube finance kind of uh, speakers that I kind of follow, and a lot of them that talk about crypto and a lot of them talk about stocks and stuff, they were all getting tapped up by FTX to go and promote the business on their channels. And by all accounts, they were being paid hundreds of thousands, if not millions, to actually do this. And so you know, that immediately, to me, is a big red flag. And why is it? Because it's, uh, you know, Bernie Madoff is a guy that if you don't know that name, go and check it out. Because when you Google that name, you'll see it's associated with a Ponzi scheme, one of the most successful Ponzi schemes in the last, you know, 20 years. And what he, he actually ended up the chairman of the Security Exchange Commission, which is the company or which is the organization, the government organization that actually goes and checks for fraud and stuff. And meanwhile, he was the biggest fraudster of them all. He had created this Ponzi scheme. And the way a Ponzi scheme works is you get customers, new customers in gave you give you money and they give you money because you're promising these amazing returns. And how do you promise the amazing returns? Will you give the guys that are already in there their returns and they go out then and say, it's amazing, I've just made all this money. So let's say for example, I was to offer you 10% on your you know money, return on your investment. Give me 10,000, I'll give you 11,000 at the end of the year. You sort of say, that's a great deal, I'll go and do that. Because at the moment, interest rates are very, very low. And so how do I fund that though? Am I making it from property profits Or am I getting new people in who are giving me 10,000 and I'm taking 1,000 from them and I'm giving them back to the, I'm giving the profit to the guy that put the money in earlier. So, in order for a Ponzi scheme to work, you have to keep on bringing in new customers all the time. New customers, new customers, new customers. They feed the profits that you're paying to the old customers. When the old customers make their profits, they go out and start singing the praises of what a great platform it is, I'm making all this money, you should definitely join. And of course they can go and pay for all of this money going into sports star celebrities and stuff like that, uh, endorsing the platform. Now, SPF was asked to speak to the US Congress, no less, and he he, he actually went up and sat with them as the stable genius that he is, and he was in a pair of runners and shorts sitting there speaking to these guys and he was explaining how crypto was so well controlled and so transparent that what happened in 2008 with the mainstream banks could never happen to the crypto industry because it's all in the blockchain and you can see everything. You cannot make this shit up. It's unbelievable. The guy was out there saying all this and then what has happened? Well, two weeks ago, Coinbase, which or CoinDesk, which is kind of a news thing on crypto, they published an article saying that FTX, that the fourteen billion in assets that it said it had, that a huge amount of that was actually made up of its own tokens, and so that would be like me saying, guys, I'm worth two hundred million, and uh, I, meanwhile, one hundred and fifty million of what I'm saying is my net worth, are shares in Gavin Gallagher Limited. And I've just put a value on those shares that I decide myself. It's not—it's not like out. There's no money in the account. It's just I'm valuing my own shares myself. And uh, anyway, this—this this is what he was doing by all accounts. And a couple of days later, CZ, the guy from Binance that I mentioned earlier, he decides that he wants to get out. He has 23 million FTX tokens. They're called FTTs because of the tokens, and. Now, if you had 23 million tokens worth billions and you decided, oh my God, you know, this is gonna fall in value. I better go and sell these very, very quickly. Would you go out and tweet this and advertise to the whole market that this is what you're about to do? No, you wouldn't. Because what he has done is telegraphed to the market. The The price is about to fall. And what he did, and it looks like it was totally intentional, is he dumped he was he announced he was going to dump his own 23 million shares on the market or tokens on the market and so the market collapsed for those particular tokens it fell 90% in 24 hours and so the the you know i remember hearing the headline at the time that samuel bankman-fried has lost 90% of his net worth in the last you know 12 hours or whatever And everyone was kind of like, whoa, this is incredible. How is it possible? Now, is it jealousy? Is it envy? Are these guys like mortal enemies? Binance is the largest crypto exchange and FTX was the next biggest, I believe. And so obviously competition is fierce. And so CZ thinks to himself, you know what? I can actually have a go at these guys. I can damage them and maybe I'll sweep in and I'll be able to buy the carcass that's left. Now... One thing that strikes me straight away is that this CZ character, uh, the, have, do you guys know the scorpion and the frog metaphor or the, or the fable? It's the old story about the scorpion that uh, is trying to cross the river and along comes a frog that wants to cross the river and the scorpion says, why don't you give me a lift? Um, I'll go on your back. And the frog says, "You know, are you crazy? If, I go, if you go on my back, you'll just sting me and you'll kill me. And the scorpion says, I could never sting you when you're crossing the river because if I kill you, I'm going to drown in the river. And so the frog goes, okay, that makes sense. Let's do that. And so the frog sets off across the river with the scorpion on his back. Sure enough, halfway across the river, the scorpion stings the frog. And the frog, as he's dying, says, Jesus, why did you do that? Uh, you're, You're basically, you've killed us both. And the scorpion goes... It's in my nature. Now, why am I telling you this? Well, I'm telling you this because I suspect, and I could be completely wrong now, but I suspect CZ thought thought he was going to do a little bit of damage to FTX and sweep in and be able to buy it up. And I actually suspect he may have killed his own business in the process. Um, Now, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But the damage that he is going to do to the crypto market buy this, this is like the Lehman moment for the crypto market. 32 billion dollars of value has been wiped out in 24 hours, 32 billion dollars. Now, and not just that, not just the value, but think about the damage it's done to the reputation of crypto. Everyone thought FTX was different to everything else. They thought it was the the one honorable platform out there that didn't do all these sort of dodgy things. It's set it back for years. So is it a Lehman moment or is it an Enron moment? That's the next big question because Enron, those of you who are young listeners of the podcast, you may not know, you may not recognize the name Enron, but back in 2001, so 19 years ago, Enron was this massive, massive company on the stock exchange that was trading energy and they would buy futures in energy and electricity and all this kind of stuff. And turned out to be a huge fraud, and it went under. And in the space of you know a couple of months, it collapsed. It went from 90 dollars to zero, the shares. Uh, but even it dragged down so much other so many other companies as well. In particular, there was a huge financial auditing firm called Arthur Anderson. and this was like one of the largest accounting firms in the world, and they were caught up in this and they had been auditing. Enron's accounts and books and what actually happened was in the middle of the night it came out that they these guys were shredding all of the uh, documents from Enron because they didn't want to have evidence of the kind of wrongdoing that the auditing firm had been actually part of and that action killed Arthur Anderson a firm that had been around for I don't know how many like a 100 years and was one of the big 5 firms in the world for accounting and within a cup about a week that firm had dissolved and was gone completely and all of the people all of these partners that were used to making millions a year in in income and salaries and stuff these guys are out on the street literally looking for jobs and so it's just incredible what happened there lehman brothers the very same thing 2008 They went under, they'd been highly leveraged, playing all these games, greed basically. And um, sure enough, along they, uh, they, they go under, somebody decided, you know what, we're not gonna bail these guys out. And the knock on impact of that nearly created the financial crisis, nearly actually dragged down the entire market. I remember at one stage in 2008, people were saying that the ATMs were gonna stop spitting out money and that um, you should go and go to cash right away. And there was people selling gold. I mean, I can remember seeing these kind of advertisements and people were selling booklets that had like little gold coins and you could actually buy these booklets so that you could actually trade gold uh, because cash was going to go to zero. So as it turns out, it was all a bit of an overreaction. But at the time, for certainly for weeks and weeks, this is how it was... Uh, playing out. It was very, very difficult time and um, it's kind of hard to believe when you look back now. So, companies worth billions with tens of thousands of employees, they can go bust and they do go bust and literally when it happens, it can go overnight and sure enough, SBF and his FTX platform, which was worth 32 billion in 24 hours, gone to zero bankruptcy now what's incredible is um he actually came out uh on and tweeted that everybody's money in the u.s platform was safe and therefore they didn't need to go and pull any money out and uh, alameda was um his his trading firm that was okay and sure enough 24 hours later all three of the firms so alameda gone bankrupt ftx.com which is kind of the international platform gone bankrupt and FTX US, which is the one that everyone thought was stable, gone bankrupt. And I've heard now, I've just read recently that SBF himself has declared personal bankruptcy. He was worth 16 billion at one stage and he apparently had been borrowing money against his own assets in the FTX platform and he borrowed $650 million. And He obviously now has gone to zero with that. And so he has personally gone bankrupt as well. Now, what is causing all of this? The problem is, and this is something similar to what I talked about in the Chinese property market problems that those guys are going, is that there's tons of hidden loans, off balance sheet transactions. All of this kind of stuff is going on. And the problem is, is it's murky. Nobody knows who's who owes what who's holding the bag when this firm goes under and already the eyes are all turning to crypto.com which is another uh crypto entity that is now they they've they've put withholding uh they're, they've put withdrawal of uh, your funds is now paused in there you can't get your money out and it's because of this liquidity problem now i talked earlier i said that i would mention this there is a thing called liquidity and there's a thing called insolvency and um Insolvency issues and liquidity issues are two completely separate things. And I got to know this very, very well back in 2008. So, a liquidity issue is when you've got a lot of assets, a lot of valuable assets, but you don't have any cash. Okay. So, let's say in my case, I own, you know, 50 properties and they're all over, you know, spread out all over Dublin and various places. And what's the worth of those properties? 25 million, 30 million, something like that. So I'm a wealthy guy, I've got lots and lots of property. But let's say that um, we're going through a bit of a cash crisis, the bank's interest rates have gone up, so the banks are looking for, you know, all of my income that comes from the rents, looking for every penny of that to go into funding the interest payments. So I've got no spare cash. And then somebody says, oh, you know, the roof has c- collapsed on my house. Um, can you go and repair it? And I can't afford to repair because I have no cash. The banker taking all my cash. That is a liquidity crisis. And what happens is you're not able to pay your bills. So along comes a contractor who's gone and done a new bathroom for you or something like that. And instead of you saying, here you go, mate, the guy can't get paid because you don't have any money. And next minute, he can go to the, uh, to the courts and basically force you, to, to, you know to pay him and when that happens if you're if you don't have the cash to pay him what can happen is that you are basically made bankrupt and um, now the problem is with this kind of situation is usually it's just a matter of time if you can get people to calm down and say look I have the money I just don't have it today give me a couple of weeks to sort it out and I'll get and you'll get your money and look here's proof I've got all these properties and worth loads of money that's what most people were able to do And so you don't have an insolvency problem. An insolvency problem is when your debts are so much greater than your assets that you are technically insolvent and you're unable to repay. So you sell all your assets, they won't be able to pay off your debts. That is being insolvent. Liquidity is where you have the money in assets, but you just don't have the cash today. Now, the problem is, is a liquidity crisis can turn into an insolvency crisis very quickly and that is what the actions of this chap CZ dumping the tokens on the market did when FTX lost 90% of the value of its tokens they went into an instant liquidity Uh, they were they had a liquidity crisis and suddenly it became an insolvency crisis because the value of their assets shrank by 90% and Sure enough, this had a knock-on impact. Bitcoin fell from twenty thousand dollars to fifteen thousand dollars instantly, and I think there's actually going to be more to come with that. A lot of people out there are very hopeful that you know, oh, you know, crypto is going to bounce back it'll go back to sixty thousand dollars. I'd be very wary if I were you, because I think a lot more is going to play out now over the coming weeks and months. I think this what I saw happen in two thousand and eight, with Lehman Brothers goes under and then you're waiting what's the next bank like who was lending Lehman Brothers money that now can't get that money back and so the people they owe money are going to be coming after them and so it's going to go insolvent and then there's going to be this knock on impact everybody who's owed money who doesn't get it from the first person owes it to the second person and owes it to the third person and there's this knock on impact until you get to the big boys that have enough assets they can actually weather it. But a lot of the time you'll find that people just, they're quietly, you know, squam, you know, running around trying to find a way to shore up this problem. They're not going out there saying, oh guys, we're in big trouble. They're going out there saying everything is perfectly fine because what they have to prevent is a bank run. A bank run is when everybody wants their cash out on the same day. This is the way it works with banks. You go down to your local bank and you put your thousand dollars or euros or pounds, whatever it is, you put that in to your bank. They take that money and they lend it out, but they usually lend it out even larger amounts. So they'll lend out maybe five, six, seven thousand dollars based on your thousand deposit. Now, they'll get all of that back in interest and uh, and they'll make their profits that way. And if you want your money, they can give it to you. But if everybody wants their money all on the same day, then they have a major problem and that's a bank run. And this is what's happening at the moment with all of these companies. They're starting to freeze their withdrawals because they don't want people are getting nervous and suddenly going, "Geez, I got to go and take my money out." So if you have money on any crypto exchange, or even if you have Bitcoin, Coin, uh, you know all of these things, I'd be thinking carefully about getting your money out as soon as possible, uh, because there's a chance that these things are just going to collapse in value now could be wrong they could bounce back next week and I certainly saw uh, today CZ our friend again from Binance he came out and said that he is going to launch an industry recovery fund and what he wants to do is get the support of all the other guys in the in the space and create this fund that they can bail out their people uh, when when big firms like FTX go under they can bail them out now I'm a little bit suspect there. I don't think that that is CZ being this great, you know, magnanimous guy. He's like, oh, let's let's help the industry. I think he is now trying to save the sinking ship. He had a go at a major competitor and he's overperformed in terms of the damage that he's done. And what he's actually done is damaged the entire industry and set the entire industry back probably five years. And so this is his scorpion moment. Like he has got to be thinking, geez, did I overdo it there, doing that? Like, I suspect what he wanted to do was to, um, uh, probably to humble Samuel Bankman Freed and basically buy the company up, uh, the assets off, you know, for a dollar or whatever. Instead, what he did was he suddenly realized, oh, Jesus, these guys are, you know, completely leveraged up to the hilt. And there's not going to be any way that we can bail these guys out. Like we just don't, if we buy that company for a dollar, we're taking on tens of billions in liabilities. So they just walked away from any kind of a rescue fund. And um, what are the lessons from this experience that we've gone through this last week? Well, I'm going to remind you about a video I produced about a year ago called The Four E's. And that is the four E's that investors tend to get sunk by. And the four E's are your ego, your emotions, the economy and events. And it's very, very, like I got caught before by ego, but it's very clear to me that these guys, their emotions, like in particular, the emotion of greed and envy has got, these guys are caught up in it big time. And uh, the economy now has gotten shaky. And with the shaky economy, what that's done is put these guys under pressure. And all it takes is an event, And this event of SBF declaring bankruptcy, his big platform FTX going under for $32 billion. That is going to have a major impact across the market. And back on episode number 93, so we go back quite a few, like 40 episodes at this stage, uh, I had a look at crypto and I compared crypto to property investment and I compared it to stock market investment. And I have to say the amount of flack that I got from people out there that didn't like that I was you know, criticizing crypto. And I don't remember criticizing it too badly. I think what I did was I just pointed out the fact that there is no value in crypto except what the next person is prepared to pay you for it. It doesn't have like an inherent value. Like if I build a house, the house costs me 300,000 to build that's 300,000 worth of b- blocks and concrete and cement and wood and glass and everything and tiles and kitchens and like that's 300 grand it's sitting there those individual items cost 300 grand but when you go out there and say that this imaginary coin that doesn't even exist it's a, it's like zeros and ones in a computer that's worth $66,000 you have to like there's nothing to show that it's worth that other than the fact that the market says it's worth that and if there's somebody out there who thinks it's going to go to 70,000, well, of course they're going to buy it. But when it suddenly looks like maybe it'll fall to 20,000, then people are going to start selling. And at this point in time now, there's a good chance that a lot of people with money stuck in the crop, the crypto exchanges and all of these things, they, they're now being locked out. They're being told they can't take their money out. And um, I think... The, the whole market could kind of freeze up because of this. So we'll have to wait and see. But I think the counterparty risk is massive. I think the fact that if SPF and his platform can go under with 32 billion of debt, then the impact on the market is going to be, there's guys out there that probably had investments in FTX. They valued it on their, on their balance sheet at like 500 million of, a, of an investment there. That's gone to zero. So you would have used that to borrow money against some other investment or you might have made it against investments. If that goes to zero, then the counterparties to your debt come back and say that collateral is not worth anything any longer. We need you to go and put more collateral in or different collateral. Suddenly you have to start selling assets in order to free that up because of the liquidity versus insolvency crisis. Now suddenly that liquidity becomes insolvency. So you've got to be very careful. Final few points on this. Ask yourself, those of you who did not like hearing my criticism of crypto last year when I came out with that episode, like look back now and what's played out in the market. Was I wrong? Um, I think you'll probably find I wasn't too far off the point. And so you gotta ask yourself when you're in this situation and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back here. I'm simply trying to make the point that if you are too close to an investment or an idea or say a business model, you can often not see that you know you you're you're too defensive. If you're out there and somebody criticizes something and you're really defensive and you're saying you're all wrong, you, if you can't have a calm you know discussion or like a debate with somebody about the pros and cons without getting upset about it, then maybe you're a little bit too close and you have to kind of be careful about that. Cognitive bias, I keep going on about cognitive bias, but there's never been a clearer sort of message here, that continuity bias. Anyone who thought that the crypto craze was gonna keep on going, $66,000, next it was gonna to go to 100,000. I can remember people saying it will go to $500,000. I can remember them saying that. And so there's a lot of you guys out there that might've wanted to believe that, and that's continuity bias. And so you think, I'm gonna invest in it because it's gonna keep going. You have to wonder now, with all what's going on, is that possible? I think it could be a couple of years before um, the, the market recovers from this. And back in 2001, 2000, and like 1999, 2000, we had the dot-com crash. and The dot-com crash was very, very similar. If you had dot-com in the name of your company, you were worth billions. Very, very same thing as played out in crypto. If you're crypto, you're a billionaire. If you're into crypto, there's billions to be made. It was, ex- It's exactly the same thing. And uh, everyone, oh no, it's not the same thing. You're defending it too much. Just step back and have a look. Objectively, it's exactly the same thing. It's people getting greedy, people trying to make millions, and like, there's nothing wrong trying to make millions, but when everybody is on the same sort of party boat, and they're all kind of dancing away and then suddenly realize, hey, by the way, we're sinking over here. Suddenly, everyone goes to one side. The whole thing will turn over. Now, confirmation bias and continuity bias. Confirmation bias is where you only want to hear the information that you want that'll support your business case. So you're out there looking for information that will support why you should stay in the market. And I can tell you straight away I've seen that today with this guy CZ saying that he's going to do this market rescue fund that's somebody trying to get the confirmation bias and sure enough the Bitcoin price has ticked up because of that. Now who else came to the out today and said something about it? Elon Musk. Elon has come out and said that Bitcoin will survive this and I have no doubt it probably will survive it but the thing is is Elon has not exactly been the, the best businessman in recent times. Everyone thinks of you know Elon as this incredible guy. Like, I have a lot of admiration for him as a, an engineer. What he's done with SpaceX and the vision to kind of like get us to Mars and all that, that is incredible. What he's done with Tesla, incredible. But is he an infallible genius? No. And what he has done with, with Twitter, oh, my God, like, it's like a train crash. Watch. It's like watching a train wreck. It's to see what he's done. So in the last, like, last Friday, a little bit of, of, over a week ago, he laid off 3,700 staff. I heard today that he's laid off another 4,400 contractors that were, that were not full-time employees, but were working as kind of contracts. Uh, it's going to be very, very interesting to see uh, what happens with Twitter because its it seems like he's just all over the place. He doesn't have a plan. He seems to have been caught thinking that this was all very simple. And he came out with this checkmark thing where you paid $8 and you get you know, authorized a couple of days ago. And he thought, this was how we're going to make millions. That is now frozen because there was an absolute... The, the entire Twitter universe was filled with people that were creating false accounts and they're going out and they were imitating all sorts of big companies and sports stars and stuff. And they had the little blue check saying that this is genuinely, uh, you know, LeBron James and this is genuinely Nintendo. Nintendo, the uh, the uh, the Mario guy, the cartoon character Mario from Nintendo, he was seen on... Um, the, uh, on the Nintendo Twitter profile sticking giving everyone the finger and uh, that was a fake Nintendo account but it had the blue check mark because the guy was prepared to pay $8 so Elon don't assume that Elon is this genius that can make everything okay that can fix everything he is very smart guy I admire a lot of what he's done but he is well capable of syncing Twitter if he's not careful and People fail, like right before Enron was down, these guys were considered geniuses. Right before Lehman Brothers went down, this guy, the, the, uh, Fuld, who was the CEO, I can't remember his first name, but his surname was Fuld. He was paid like $120 million that year. The board of directors thought this guy is a genius and they paid him this amount of money. He was worth billions. And the company went bankrupt not soon after. So it just shows you. now. Question, will SBF go to prison? I actually think there's quite a good chance he will. For the guy, you know, all of this, oh, what a messiah and everything like that. They were all saying that he was an amazing guy. He stepped down as the CEO. Who has replaced him? Only the guy that stepped in and took over the Enron collapse back when it collapsed. So this person who has replaced SBF is the same man that took over Enron after that fraud was exposed. So it's interesting to see. And the fact that SBF was coming out saying, making these statements that your your money is safe, and not even 24 hours later, the three companies had declared bankruptcy. So you had a couple of hours to get your money out. His tweet might have made you go, oh, it's, it's not so bad, I'll leave my money in. 24 hours later, it's gone bankrupt. So... If you look back now, we've got 2000, we got the crypto, the, the dot-com crash of 2000. We've got the Enron scandal of 2001. We've got the Lehman collapse of tw- 2008, uh, which led to the global financial crash. And now we have the crypto and the stock and the, and the, and the tech market meltdown. And uh, Mark Zuckerberg laid off 11,000 people last week stripe i believe are laying off a large number of their workforce we just mentioned twitter and i'm just going to finish up with this little thing about ftx so ftx was raising money from all these big huge funds sequoia capital which is one of the big funds uh one of the big um, silicon valley funds they put in something like 600 million or 400 million and there's a chap called chamath palihapitiya and he is this guy that's a bit of a genius when it comes to investing And he had a look at FTX last year, and when he looked at it, he said, you know what, if you want me to invest in this, you're going to have to create a board of directors. There wasn't even a board of directors. This company is worth $32 billion, and there's no board of directors. So he sent an email saying, if you want us to invest in you, you're going to have to start with the appointment of a board of directors. Sure enough, straight away, he got an answer back from the guys, and it was, Go F yourself. That's what they said to Chamath Palihapatiya when he said you need to create a board of directors. I'll say no more, guys. I hope you found this one uh, interesting, useful. Um, if you are suffering from any losses on crypto, my heart goes out to you, but just be careful. Get out. Don't be piling in thinking that this is a great opportunity. I honestly think that it's could good go. I th- I think we could see um, Bitcoin falling below 10000 I think more news is gonna come out, more collapses. And I think Bitcoin, when it eventually reaches the bottom, will be a great purchase investment. You buy it, and then 10 years time, you'll be very happy you did. But I think we have some more to fall. All right, folks, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, See you in the next one. I hope you found this episode useful. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Behind the Facade. If you did find it useful, I would be really grateful if you could leave us a review over on iTunes, or if this is your if you're watching it on YouTube, maybe just hit like down below and subscribe if you haven't already. If you have any questions or topics you would like to ask or have me cover in future episodes, you can approach this two ways. If you're listening in on the podcast, then perhaps join the Facebook community. It's called Behind the Facade Community. Alternatively, you can leave a comment down below, and I always like getting comments in the YouTube page because it does drive engagement. Uh, Alternatively, look me up on social media. My handle is Gavin J. Gallagher, as always, and you can stay up to date on my projects and various things that I'm doing at the moment just by following me over on my newsletter. The newsletter is found in gavinjgallaher.com. I put it out weekly. It's just a bit of an update on things that are going on and the various publications and things like that that i'm putting out all right guys talk to you again next week